Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Crossed Up. Anthony Sanfilippo's here. I'm Bob Wankel. Recording early on a Monday morning, one in which the Phillies can go to the World Series tonight. It's it's kind of like funny, like the way that the series has progressed. It goes out west, go out to the desert, and there was this reset day. Everybody in this city turned their attention to the Eagles for 24 hours, and now that's over. And it's like, oh, by the way, uh, Monday, 5 o'clock, you can go to the World Series. Like that, it, It's kind of just such a weird dynamic and we were talking before the show started here like is there a, a take on on the five o'clock start time and i guess you know i i know what you just said to me but if you want to put it out there for the people listening it, it is strange because we saw against the braves the early start time people were a little bit slow getting in they certainly weren't lathered up the way that they were uh for the later start times meaning they weren't as drunk not that everybody down there is ripped you know what i mean like i don't want to overstate that but it just uh, didn't quite have the same edge with the early start time. So I guess I'm kind of curious. Do you expect, given what's at stake, that place to be packed from the from the start? Do you expect it to have that same type of edge, even with the st- earlier start time? Or w- what else do you make of it? I'm not 100% sure, Bob. The only thing that, you know, my initial reaction was this is a terrible start time. Um, and that was back when the actual schedule came out. Um like I kind of understood the five o'clock. And well, first of all, I understand why they're doing it, right? You have a game seven in the American League that's tonight, and obviously that's the game you want in prime time. Um, and I kind of understood. I kind of understood a game earlier in this earlier in the series out in Arizona, starting at five o'clock our time, because it's two o'clock in the afternoon out there. Like, okay, well, if you have to have a day game out there, it's a weird start time for us, but I get it. But to go with a, a a potential World Series clinching game at five o'clock Eastern with the game in the Eastern time zone makes very little sense to me. And the idea that you need to isolate each game out so that they they get watched in the, in their entirety is, I think, a, is kind of flawed because I'm not certain that there are people who are like, I got to watch first inning one to inning nine of both of these games. I think that there you could get away with a little bit of a crossover time, uh, maybe an hour and a half in between games. So you can guarantee that you get to see the end of both games, but well, you might we- miss the beginning of the first one. And I'm getting to the point that and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm being long winded, but I'm getting to the point that for Philadelphia. Yeah. There to me, you worry maybe that you know because we saw it in the atlanta series that that didn't quite have that vibe that feel right at that five o'clock start the only thing i thought might maybe and this is a maybe because the eagles played uh sunday night football at home last night and that game doesn't get over till you know after 11 o'clock 11 30 whatever it was that maybe that more people took today as either an off day from work or a work from home type day, which will allow those folks to get down to the ballpark in plenty of time for a five o'clock start. But I, that, that's by no means a guarantee. I just it's just what was run, rummaging through my head. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm I'm thinking this because it's the, the Phillies in this game tonight. But you go back to what ESPN did with Monday Night Football when the Eagles and Bucks played a few weeks back. And they were toggling back and forth between Rams, Bengals, and Eagles, Bucks. And I almost kind of wonder, you know, I, I sort of feel like that Major League Baseball is missing an opportunity to do something unique here. Like, 
where you could package it on a different station and say like, okay, you can watch either game individually, or we're going to give you an opportunity to kind of bounce back and forth as these games progress. Like it's only two games. So I don't want to say it's a red zone feel, but you could watch these games simultaneously kind of just ping pong back and forth with one another. Um, I don't like it. I, I was disappointed last night, frankly, that that uh, the uh, Rangers won the game. I, For a couple of reasons, I'd like to see the Phillies play the Houston Astros if they reach the World Series, and I would have liked to have seen this game start at 8.07. Now, I know that we have people out here listening that are like, well, I can get to a TV at 5 o'clock. I'm good to go. But I just think that for, for most people, they don't want to stay up till 11.15, 11.30, fine. But if the alternative is you're, you're driving your kids to soccer practice – you're feeding your baby. You're, you know, like you're, you're racing home from work to get to the TV in time. It, it kind of just sucks. I mean, like, especially because this is not something that happens all the time. I mean, 93, 08, 09, 22, 23. Those are the five times that this could happen in my lifetime, you know? And I, I just, it's, I think it kind of is uh, not uh, representative of, of the state of the moment and what's at stake. Now, I, I, I guess it's kind of like, we sound like we're complaining. It's not really the most pressing thing here, but I don't know. I was a little bit put off by that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am too. I mean, you know, nobody wants to look, some writers are going to sit there and say, this is great. You can get home early after the game. Right. Home by nine 30. Yeah, I get it. Right. And that's, that's fine. But I mean, I, I'm not looking at it from a selfish perspective. Okay. I'm yeah. not. I'm looking at it from a perspective of what's best for this for this market and starting a game at five o'clock, knowing how hard it is to drive in this area to begin with. And I'm not saying South Philly. I don't want that people to think I'm saying that it's hard to drive down there. It's only hard to drive down there when you have three events going at once, which we saw (laughs) last week. Right. But no, getting to getting to the ballpark, it's the highways that are a that get bad at that time because it's because it's rush hour. Yeah. So you know you're you're dealing with that extra uh, annoyance factor, you know you don't get an opportunity to really be like tailgating unless you took off all day, which is part of the you know charm of a playoff baseball and really kind of taking in you know the environment leading up to it. All of that just kind of kind of sucks that people just yeah. get, they get cheated a little bit, right? Well, and that, and that's what be- bothers me. I'll tell you who might be excited about it would be the people at Xfinity Live because if they do win the game, it's going to extend the runway of the post game celebration down there. So, yes, Xfinity Live with their $20 uh, (laughs) uh, door entry fee. Yeah. Cover charge. So, you have to to charge a cover charge to to go into a place you're going to spend a couple hundred dollars that night anyway. Like, people will pay it. Makes zero sense to me. It's, it's, people will pay it extortion baby it's all it is. all right so we talked on friday morning that was the last time that we recorded and that was out after game game three uh the 2-1 loss and you thought okay well that's quite a gut punch but they're still all right you got you, you kind of you feel all right with what they had going you felt all right with with you know the idea that the offense was going to bounce back in, in game four and it did and they carried a late lead uh, in the game, in the later innings of, of game four. And then they blew it. And then you wrote the piece with the song and it was quite lengthy, but it was good. I think a lot of people in the city probably needed to read something that was a little bit like the sky isn't falling. And they they come back and they win game five to set up this clinching scenario tonight. I guess because we haven't talked since Friday morning two games have gone by what were the big takeaways for you over the weekend because i have one and i i think that this will really hit with our readers 
I don't want to see Craig Kimbrell throw an important inning for this team for the remainder of the playoffs or frankly ever. Um, that that's that is a take that I have, and I don't think that it's like overreaction Monday either. He is brutal. Um, and you know, we got to go down there and cover it and all that stuff. And I, I guess maybe, uh, that's not the most nuanced way of saying this, but I, I just, I, I don't have time to mince words today. Keep Craig Kimbrell away from anything important moving forward. That's my take. I think you're going to see him at some point again in the playoffs here, Bob. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be. Hopefully it's protecting an 8-1 lead. Well, no, it's I, 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 don't want, I don't want to make it sound like they're just going to. They're all of a sudden now he's he goes the way, by the way of Lorenzen and. and, and uh, I, I, I don't, how do you put him out there for real? Like, I know that there's a lot of good things to talk about. Like, they're going to win this. I mean, they have a chance to win the series tonight. And yeah. I, I apologize to people who are listening to this that are all excited. I, I was just like, you know what? This is the thing that I walked away from this weekend. If they win this series, keep this guy away. Like, I, I really. And I, I mean, get it. What an absolutely atrocious performance by him. I, I, truly. And, and I get it. And I understand everybody's vitriol with him. And, and, you know, I think it was a terrible two games out in Arizona by Craig Kimbrell. And I feel like it was something that's been coming when we talked about how, how he got through September, allowing as few earned runs as he did. Like it was, it was a a tightrope walk. Yeah. Yeah. It was a tightrope walk. Like we, we, we've been over this. That being said, can the Phillies truly afford to, trim their bullpen yet by yet another arm and they're already trying to do this with 11 pitchers as it is now you're saying okay do it with 10 you start to get to a point where it's like oh man like you can't really get through eight more games with fewer those few pit and i I know the old folks are going to sit there and say them guys my age well they did it before in the old days they just do this I don't want to hear that. That's not how 2023 is done. Do I think he's in as high leverage spots? I don't. But I do think you're going to see Craig Kimbrell come into games um, and maybe a little bit more lower leverage or or earlier, maybe earlier in a game um, to try and get out of an inning. But he's going to pitch. Get used to get ready. It's going to happen. Yeah, I get it in game three. I do. You know, he had to that point survived he had navigated some tough situations he had navigated a difficult situation against the Braves Johan Rojas I think to some degree bailed him out in that game um you come back though on on Friday night and for it to happen again in just what was a just a a truly wretched inning I mean we talked about it on Friday morning with game three the, the inability to pitch to the clock. Real Muto has to go out there and bail him out. Uh, can't hold on the runner. You know, like these are the things that you worried about with Craig Kimbrell. Uh, and then it all kind of comes to fruition in game three. And then for him to come back out in game four, you know, he gives it the home run. And then he continues to light the thing on fire beyond it. Like it was just, it was truly remarkable to, to watch and unfold. And so, yes, if there's a situation where it's earlier in the game, multi-run deficit, multi-run lead, uh, fine, sure, I, I guess. But the, the days of, like, I, I want to attack this eighth inning pocket with Craig Kimbrell up one, I just I just don't think you can do it anymore. You know, like, it's not a, a character attack. I mean, I guess I sound somewhat, you know, aggressive here, but it's nothing against him as a human being. Like, there's a championship at stake, and I don't think that Craig Kimbrell gives you the best opportunity to win one. Um, 
if he's pitching high leverage innings. I, that's probably what I should have said three minutes ago. But I mean, oh, that's good. the bottom line, man. Like that's that's where I I came away from it. Now the other big takeaway, though, obviously on the on the positive side is the rebound on Saturday night, and it was an impressive one. It looked more like the team that we had seen uh, through the first whatever eight games of the playoffs, hitting a ton of home runs, great starting pitching. Uh, and then they they lock up the final few outs late. Uh, we've we've talked about it for years now. This is a very resilient team. We know that. Uh, we saw it on display yet again. Um, do we feel like that the game five win has effectively put them in the driver's seat that there should be a reasonable expectation that this team's going to the World Series? Well, yeah, I I think so. I, I think you you know, you're coming home. Um, and you only have to win one of two games at home where you haven't lost the entire postseason, right? So what makes anybody think that all of a sudden you're going to lose two? So, yes, they are in the driver's seat. Um, I, I do think that there is a smaller margin for error at this point because obviously Arizona is going to be in desperation mode. I don't think you're going to see 10 nothing tonight in the same pitching matchup that you had in game two. Um, I think it's probably going to be a lot closer <laughs> than that. Um, but at the same time, I do think that the Phillies have control at this point. I, I think they'll win tonight. I think they'll lock it out tonight and advance to the World Series. But I also see, you know, I got to give Arizona a little bit of credit. I mean, I, I do feel like the Phillies gave them two wins. I don't feel like Arizona took two wins. Like they went out and beat the Phillies. I felt, I felt that way more after game four. I felt like the Phillies yeah. said, here you go. In game four, game yeah. three, like you come out and you get three hits. Like I yeah. can't tell, yeah, I fought can't pitched really well. Fought, yeah. I mean, you got to give fought credit. I mean, he pitched well in game three, but I think the Phillies, I still think the Phillies handed it to them late in the game. Arizona didn't hit. Right. And then all of a sudden they won a game. And yeah. then in game four, Arizona didn't hit for seven innings. And then all of a sudden they won a game. Right, so I feel like the Phillies did hand them both, and it's okay to to me in a in a playoff in a seven game series. It's okay if you hand out hand away one game to us to a team that's really inferior to you, but two is where it's like okay, that's your limit. I mean, you've now used up all of your your two your two mulligans. You used them both up, so that's the thing. It's like the Phillies have put themselves in a comfortable spot, but not too comfortable here and they got it they've got it i think they got to go out there and win this game tonight do you uh, so it's interesting that you say that because it's actually kind of right where i was going with the next talking point which is do you buy into the notion that if the phillies do not win tonight and do not close this game out here and they have to play their second elimination game in this postseason run over two years that they really are now backs against the wall Arizona can kind of come in and say, we weren't supposed to be here, house money, and it's the Phillies that are tight. It's the Phillies who are in a kind of a disadvantage despite the, the environment, despite that you'll have Ranger Suarez going. There's a lot to still feel good about a potential Game 7, but do you really feel like, man, if they don't get it done tonight, uh-oh. Like, what's what's the mindset coming into this? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think that this team gets tight. Even last year, when, you know, when their backs were against the wall against Houston, I didn't think that the team played tight. In that game, Bob, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, obviously go back to it. I mean, they lose the game when when Alvarez hits the home run off of Alvarado, um, and that's that's the game. But the, I don't feel like the team was tight up to that point, right? I mean, I was just it was good baseball. It was a good baseball game. Um, so I don't think that they get to that point. I mean, we, you know, your fans might get tight, right? The city might be, 
you know, you know, the, the real puckered up buttholes, right? I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna have that going on, but I, I don't see the team going that way. And so, you know, game sevens are game sevens. Anything can happen. We know that. But I don't think it. I don't think that there's a, a mentality that that changes with the Phillies. I think it's they still approach everything the same way. What do you expect out of Aaron Nola tonight? Is it is it more of the same? Does he go out there and further cement his his place as a big game pitcher and you know a, a franchise? I mean, if he goes out there and gives you seven shutout tonight, we're starting to talk about him. I think in a, a different tier all of a sudden. I mean, what do you what do you think happens here? Yeah, I, I mean, I do because. The one thing is, is that no nobody's hitting the Phillies in the playoffs. I mean, even even with the bullpen struggles, their team ERA is under two. It's it's ridiculous, right? Yeah. I mean, so I, I do expect Nola to to continue to do what he's been doing, and I expect the pitching staff to continue to do what it's doing. The, you know, when when you when you have two good games against the the Miami Marlins and the wild card, you're like, okay, well, that's great, but it's the Marlins' offense. Then you shut down the Braves, and you're like, "Wow, that's pretty impressive." Arizona hasn't really. What has, has Arizona had like a, a a breakout offensive game? I mean, we're five. We're going into Game Six, five games. They haven't. I mean, they had one home, one big home run by, by um, uh, what's his Al name? Thomas. I'm a, Al Thomas. Yeah. Um, that's it. I mean, other than that, what what has Arizona done over five games offensively? So. I think that the, the Phillies have a really good approach with their pitching, and so therefore I can't sit here and say, "Oh, well, I think this could be the Nola blow-up game." Now, I, look, could it happen? Of course, it could happen, but I, I, I can't use any precedent here in this postseason to say that that you know got to be careful that the Phillies give up a bunch of runs. I, I, I don't see it happening. I just think it's, I think we're we're in low-score game mode at this point. Um, and uh, and I think tonight will be a lower scoring game overall. And I think Nola will do a good job. I'm trying to compartmentalize these games and, and look at them separately in a vacuum because I think we keep, our, you know, I to some degree, and I think a lot of people are guilty of thinking that there is a correlation game over game here where you get to the end of game two last week and you say, all right, well, this is over. You know, they're going to win this thing in four or five. Arizona doesn't stand a chance. And then it, the offense doesn't translate in game three. It doesn't carry over. The momentum stopped. Then they blow game four, and you think, uh-oh, like did they they might have just blown their chance to go to the World Series. And then they come back on Saturday night and they have a convincing win in which Bryce Harper goes off, Kyle Schwerber goes off, and they look like the team that that you had expected to see out there from the start, you know, as early as game three. And I don't want to do, and you know, I think that games. The, the pivot from game four to game five, I think, is a, a really clear illustration of how we tend to maybe overreact to what we're watching and thinking that it actually means something as you project out. After game four, I really do think a lot of people felt like they blew it. They're done. And then after game five, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, we got them now and everyone's excited again. And I, you know, I think that it's it's quite clear. That, that momentum is not real. I think that the Phillies' home field advantage is real. I think that there's a, a true belief that they they feel almost to some degree invincible out there, uh, the 2022 World Series uh, notwithstanding. Uh, but I I don't want to get too far ahead of myself and say, like, wow, they, they made their point in game five, and now Arizona's going to come in here and roll over. I just don't see it that way. 
No, nor should you see it that way. I, I don't think Arizona is going to roll over. I think you can, I think you can, you can break them. I think you can break their will um, by having a good outing uh, offensively, and that's I think what I think is going to be even more integral to tonight's game than than you know talking about Aaron Nola. I mean, again, the Phillies pitching staff <laughs> in the play. I finally pulled it up just for statistical you know clarity. 1.78 ERA for the entire playoffs. Mm-hmm. The next the, of the four remaining teams, the next closest is Texas at three six four. Okay, their WHIP, the Phillies' WHIP, zero point nine nine seven pitching. All right, next closest is Houston at one point one five six. So it's a full tenth of a you know tenth of a point worse. Um, they the Phillies have only allowed six home runs the entire postseason. Okay, eleven games, only six. I mean, let's just let's just think about that for a second. Okay, the next closest of the teams remaining is Texas is allowed 11, almost twice as many. So I don't think this is going to be about the pitching. I think this is going to be about the lineup and going out there against Merrill Kelly, who we when we talked about it after game two, actually pitched a pretty decent game for the for Arizona against the Phillies. And so that's to me the matchup that's most important tonight. How does the lineup do against him a second time in a week in the same ballpark and if the Phillies jump out on him and they get him early then I think yeah they can break the Diamondbacks if they don't you're looking at another nine inning dogfight tonight yeah uh I I have a a question or I guess an observation and then a question so you know I I peruse the odds um and I, I'm constantly looking and seeing what the, the betting apps are, are saying about individual matchups and individual markets. And I see the game seven tonight between the Rangers and the Astros, which has really been back and forth. It's been a good series. You thought Houston might be able to bury them last night. Uh, they didn't. You know, the Rangers with a huge response. And you go, Christian Javier has been pretty good in the playoffs versus Max Scherzer. And I see that the Astros are minus 125 tonight to win game seven. Uh, So they're a slight favorite. I think it's a nod to them being at home. I think it's a nod to them being a team that has just consistently excelled in big spots over the last seven years. That is not a convincing line to me. In fact, like I look at that and say like, damn, they're only minus 125 to win this game. Like that feels a little, a little short. I look at the Phillies odds. I see minus 192, Aaron Nola over Merrill Kelly tonight. Yeah. That is a massive, especially this time of year, with a pretty good pitcher on the opposite side. That is a massive number. I mean, that's almost two to one. Yeah. And I'm not, I don't want to do this thing. Like, you can look at point spreads in the NFL and say, like, oh, man, like that line tells you all you need to know. You know, the that they're telling you something, but you're looking at this, this, and you're like, man. And like, I think you also have to understand that road teams have had so much success in the postseason overall. Now that's the Phillies have been immune to that when they're at home, but I'm, I'm looking at that number tonight and I'm like, you better win this game. I mean, <laughs> like, that that's like something that's like Aaron Nola versus, I don't know, a spot starter for the Marlins in, in the middle of July at home. Like that's what that, that number is, you know? So I, I just, I look at this and I feel like that your odds makers are certainly telling you something. I don't know if you have any uh, uh, like any input on that, but I, I can get to my question if you don't. No, I, I I don't have any input as far as you know why it's that you know there there's such a disparity between the two. 
Like, dude, they were minus 155 in game two. It's the same matchup. Yeah, well, I think that that when you also look at game two, it was the same matchup. The final score was 10 to nothing, no. right? And and so, I mean, that's the easy way to look at it. I think, though, there's a lot more nuance to it. Obviously, they didn't blow out Merrill Kelly. They it took him a while to get, actually score off of him. They did get a few homers and got him out of the game, but it wasn't it wasn't like it was Merrill Kelly gave up seven of those 10 runs either, right? And so I look at it and say that that number if you're if you're a smart better, you probably take the Diamondbacks, right? With that number just just to just to try and get value on it. I mean, I don't know if there's va- going into the game if there's value on betting the Phillies at minus 190 in a game 6. No, that's a lot to lay. I think you have yeah. to probably go like with a run line type play if you want to yeah. bet the Phillies there, but I mean, I just look at it not so much from a from a betting perspective, but just what those odds indicate. I mean, you, you are certainly being told that the Phillies ought to win this game tonight. Yeah, well, uh, I mean and I think that the, the, everything else that you talked about is the reason why the number is what it is. Like the Phillies yeah. don't lose at home, yeah. you know. Nola's been great, you know, and and what we said earlier, you know, it's not like Arizona won two games from the Phillies. The Phillies kind of gave them a couple games, right? So I, I understand why the number is where it's at. It actually kind of bothers me a little bit that it's that lopsided. <laughs> to be honest with you, I'd rather it be a little bit closer. It's trap. Like, like, what are you going with? What are you telling me there? Like, ah, no, no problem. I, it bothers me a little yeah, bit. So, what's we'll your que- what's your question off of that? Well, I I want to know what you think after five games in terms of uh, who who's going to win NLCS MVP because sticking along the same theme here. Yeah, I'm I'm actually surprised at what I'm looking at. Um, you know, Zach Wheeler's turned into outstanding starts, and he has the fourth best odds right now to win NLCS MVP. Fourth, fourth. I would put him second right now. Yeah. Uh, I got a healthy fourth, and then uh, I'm looking at Aaron Nola, who didn't allow a run in game two, who has an opportunity to essentially pitch them into the World Series tonight, and he has the eighth best odds right now at plus really? 4,000. Yeah, so here you go. Let me let me give you a quick quick run through, and obviously I'm talking about this more because we, we talked about NLCS MVP predictions uh, prior to this series. So here it is in order. Here are the top 10 guys. Kyle Schwarber, minus 160, is the favorite. A substantial favorite. Bryce Harper plus 600 is second best. JT Real Muto has the third best odds right now, plus 750. Wheeler fourth at plus 1,000. Trey Turner plus 1,900. Uh, Marte is 2,200. Moreno 4,000. Nola 4,000. Like Gabriel Moreno has the same odds as Aaron Nola right now when NLCS MVP. Like, I don't get that. So, um, I mean, I think that what this is telling you is that if the Phillies win this series tonight, short of Aaron Nola throwing eight shutout innings, Kyle Schwarber's probably going to be your NLCS MVP if they can close this thing out. Yeah, but I shouldn't – It, Bob, it should not be that lopsided. I mean, I guess you hit five home runs in the in, a, in an NLCS. I mean, it just kind of becomes like, you know, that. It, it, well, it's got to be that guy. I mean, but this – the story of the playoffs is, and and every series, including this one, has been the pitching. I, I don't know how you easily dismiss Wheeler slash Nola if they well, both. Maybe, maybe part of it is that you can't differentiate between the two. Like, how do you give the nod to? And I mean, if Nola throws seven eight shutout, then Nola's actually had a better series than Wheeler, which is insane, right? Say, but 
I think maybe that's part of it. It's that both of them in, in this hypothetical would have been so good that it's like, how do you give the nod to one over the other one, especially when you have a guy that mashed five home runs sitting in the middle of it. So yeah, I think that that is something you have to look at. I do want to point out for as actively and frequently as I am wrong about things that we are one Phillies win away from me having the, the one, two punch here on the fills and six and Kyle Schwarber MVP uh, prediction. Yes. But I will tell you, man, I, it's it's funny like i say six before the series knowing that hey like it's this time of year it's not going to be easy but then you watch it play out game by game and you're like what are we doing well so i didn't actually think it was going to take six games i and i i predicted that but i don't really believe it yeah Uh, that's like it's like trying to sound smart that's that's like that's like someone saying that the the eagles should have had a bigger point spread than three points yesterday and then making the final prediction be three points um uh but anyway what what i what i what i want to say to that is is that every team that wins, and I wrote about this the other day because I wanted to make everybody feel a little bit better and kind of tell them that they were going to win Game Five. And you know, I, I look, I look brilliant after the fact. Not always. Sometimes I write stories like that and gets thrown right back in my face. But the other day it worked. Um, and and when you're when you're a championship caliber team, you're at some point you have to overcome adversity in the in the postseason. Don't know when it's going to manifest itself. Don't know how much adversity you're going to have to face. Some some championship teams face a little bit more than others. But at some point, they all do. They all face some kind of adversity. This was a this was an adversity for the for the Phillies. It was a an absolute okay. How are you going to handle this first bit of of pressure? And they handled it brilliantly. Brilliantly. And so that's why I'm more confident that they're going to, you know, be in the World Series at this point, not just because they have a one game lead and they're one game, one win away, but because they've they've showed that okay, you put our backs against a wall, we're going to respond with this against the ace pitcher of the other team. Not that Zach Gallon is all that great of a pitcher, but he is technically Arizona's ace pitching at home where he's done a great job all year and they went out there and said, "Okay, let's just smack the ball around." On them. Yeah. and that's what they did so like to me that that should speak volumes about this this phillies team if you get to a game seven if you don't win tonight in addition to the pressure and you know, which team has the upper hand from a psychological standpoint and all that stuff let's just talk about the pitching matchup any concerns with ranger suarez uh or I guess I should say with the Diamondbacks getting a look at Ranger Suarez again, is, is that a thing where you say like, well, look, you know, he's really good, but getting two cracks at the same guy six days apart is, is going to be tough. And then on the opposite side of it, the Phillies kept referencing after game three uh, that it was, it was essentially impossible to hit a pitcher that you've never seen before, which is why they were able to only muster what two hits in six innings against Brandon fault. Uh, do they, are, are they ready to whoop his ass in game seven or what, what happens there? Like, how do you view that potential pitching match? No, I, you know, we're going to record tomorrow. And yeah. We can talk about this then if it were come, come to be, but uh, you know, it's just a quick thought here. On no, this. I, and I am, I'm going to say the same thing. I'm going to say that I said prior to game three, and is that I think it's a matchup that favors the Phillies. Um, I think that, you know, in a game seven, not that we've ever experienced one here in Philadelphia for for baseball, but I think in a game seven, all um, all hands are on deck. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw a relief appearance from Wheeler 
in in a game seven um, if necessary. So, you know, how do I feel about Suarez? I feel about Suarez the way I would feel about Suarez, you know, in any game that the guy's going to go out there and give you a pretty damn good effort. Um, And if he doesn't have it, they're going to get him out early and then turn it over to everyone else. And everyone else is going to come in and and do what they got to do, you know. And 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 like I said, I think that could include a, a, a an appearance by Wheeler, you know, for an inning or or, or two, um, depending right. depending on the number of pitches. Um, so I mean, because that that would really be his bullpen day, right? And Bob, so how many pitches do throw pitchers usually throw during a bullpen? Uh, I forty guess to fifty. Oh yeah, I yeah. was at thirty-four. Yeah, yeah, forty. Yeah. I think forty is probably the, the the right number. I might be a little high. You might be a little low. I think it's probably right in the middle. So I say forty is probably the right number. Um, and, and so in that case, can you know Zach Wheeler is going to give you could give you a couple innings in relief, yeah. you know, in game seven. So I think that there's inherently an advantage there too, like because the Phillies have that guy. That can that could shorten a game if necessary in Game Seven. So, I like the matchup. I do. I, that's why I think that the Phillies. I feel com. I feel confident tonight. And if for some reason they lose a game tonight, I would feel confident in Game Seven. All right. Well, before we get out of here, uh, what do you see on the other side? What, like, what do you make of that Houston and, and Texas uh, series? I, I don't know what to make of it because I, I know it's happened once before, or at, le- at least once before um, with. Uh, the World Series with Wash was that was the Washington Houston series, right? That the road team won every game, if I if I remember correctly. I think Washington won the first two in Houston. Houston won three in a row in, in Washington, and then Washington went back to Houston and won two more to win the World Series. That is very 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 rare, and and I don't know what to make of it that these teams suddenly play poorly at home. Um, it's been a good series, I guess. Houston's probably going to be without a Brian Abreu. Out of the bullpen tonight. I mean, he he got baseball susp- suspended him two games for that nonsense, in the in, which makes zero sense to me. He appealed it, so he was able to pitch last night. Then they lose, and now it's like, well, they're going to have the hearing today, and if baseball up upholds the suspension, well, all of a sudden, one of your best relievers isn't available for Game Seven tonight. He's not available um, for Game One next next uh, weekend either. Well, I would think that if with because of the appeal, they might trim it back to a one game suspension as opposed to a two, right? I and, personally feel that that he should have gotten five games. Get out! <laughs> I, I, yeah. I was going to say I, I didn't even I, think I, this, I, I didn't even think it was from the Phillies' perspective in a World Series match. Yeah, <laughs> no, I didn't even think it was intentional. Anyway, um, it, it's so hard to go against Houston, Bob. It's so hard to pick against Houston. And I'm not convinced Scherzer's got anything left this season, not to say in his career. I'm saying this season. He came back and didn't look good in game three. And honestly, I don't know why, how all of a sudden that changes five days later. Um, I, I'm going to, and Javier has been a postseason dynamo. Yeah. I, I, I think Houston wins the game, but. You know, give Texas credit, man. They went into Houston last night and said nope, and just nine to two. I mean, it wasn't even. They were out in front early, and well, Houston got the one nothing lead, but then it was three to one pretty quick, and then they just every time Houston pressured, they got out of it. Yeah, and Houston I, pressured a couple times. I uh, was going to uh, 
ask you what you thought about a potential World Series matchup and who's the favorable opponent, but let's table that for now. <laughs> I, don't, no, I, I mean, think all of our all of our uh, people that listen that are into jinxes and you know karma and you know I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, so maybe we we hold off on that part of it. I would say either. I, I think you know yeah. me. I'm 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 on the Philly strain, so I think that I don't think it makes a difference. I think it's I think you approach each team a little bit differently, but I do think that the Phillies are are or Phillies should beat either team. Yeah, for yeah. what it's worth, I'm kind of with you on that. All right. Well, uh, I, I don't know. You got one one more thing? Yeah, I do. I do have one last thing, and it's it's kind of an off y thing, and it has nothing to do with the Phillies, although there is a Phillies tie, like a, con- a, a connection. What do you what do you make of um, the Giants getting permission from the Padres to interview Bob Melvin for their managerial position, and then secondly, tying into that, there is conversation that the new Giants hitting coach would be Pat Burl. Yeah. <laughs> Like both things kind of came out of the out of the blue and surprised me, Bob. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, when you look at Bob Melvin specifically, they they certainly had the deep run last year in the playoffs, and then the, the team was a disaster this year. And you know, I guess the way I look at it is that he certainly would be interested, I guess, in maybe resetting. Uh, maybe they just feel like that that's not a fit, and that it would be best for all parties to to kind of move forward, right? Like, yeah. I mean. How else do you view that? You're talking about a division rival, like saying like, yeah, you know what? Like, go ahead. If you, if you want to do that, you want to explore that, then go ahead. I mean, it's, I, I just find it weird. Strange. Yeah. I just find it just, I find it weird that, well, on two ends, I find it weird from both sides. Like if you're San Francisco and I know that Farhan Zahidi and, and, and Melvin have a past working together and a good working relationship. Um, but I find it weird that you would want, a manager who just had a basically internal clubhouse, you know, drama playing out where nobody liked each other. And that's primary reason why the San Diego Padres missed the playoffs and say, Oh, that's what I want. That's the kind of leader I want in our clubhouse now. Well, that being said, he's still well thought of. And they were also the same organization that despite a lot of negative talking points against Gabe Kapler went ahead and said, sure, this yeah. sounds good. So. Yeah. Oh, I agree. And, but then if you're the Padres, you know, all along, you've been saying that this is the guy we want to be our manager. We, we obviously like him a lot. And I mean, even Preller, AJ Preller GM during the, towards the end of the season where he was talking about how, you know, Bob's our guy going forward, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden just say, yeah, go ahead. Go, go, uh, go look at that. Oh, and by the way, it's, it's one of our division rivals. So yeah, no worries. Go right ahead. Like it just, it just seems weird on both ends. It does. It just seems really odd. And then the whole Pat Burrell thing, Bob, like, where does this come from? Like the guy's been out of, you know, really kind of out of the sport for a while. And, you know, scouting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, now you're going to come in and be a hitting coach. Well, uh, one thing I will say, uh, I did not. I was too young. I wasn't covering the Phillies at that point or anything like that. But uh, if you would have asked me in 2006 or seven if Pat Pearl was going to be a future coach, I, I would have said probably not. <laughs> you know, it didn't really quite strike me as the natural fit. So I guess I am a little bit surprised to see that news. Yeah. I mean, I would think that you would want to, if you're going to be a coach, that you would want to test it out at a lower level first and say is this right for me 
Oh, I got one. I got one for you. What do you think about the Boston Red Sox bringing in Gabe Kapler and interviewing him to oversee baseball operations? I think Kapler is is better suited for that, in all honesty, um, than I than I do uh, in the in the dugout because I do think that I think he's a smart guy who really dives into a lot of stuff, you know, but I, I, I think that you need to let the manager manage the game because he knows his team and know, and, you know, sometimes you're not going to follow that, follow the book that yeah. your analytics. I think my concern would be, I, I don't know that I'd be real eager to take a job as a manager under him because one, we know from a personality standpoint, he's a micromanager. How, he's yeah. a micromanager. And, I, I just think you bring a guy in and he's constantly looking at what you're doing, constantly um, picking it apart. And then also on top of that, just to, from the perspective of, he says, well, I was a manager too. So he's going to lean into that experience and try to, I, I just don't, well, I, 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 I hear so, what you're saying in terms of like his skill set being suited for that job. And he is a smart guy. And I think that, yeah, you have to concede that, but man, like, I just don't know. Well, here's how, here's how I would view it, Bob. Better that, you have one guy as, as in the manager who hates the way you do things as opposed to an entire clubhouse of players who hates the way you do things. Right. I mean, in all honesty, let's be honest. Yeah. That's what it is. And that's what it comes down to. And I think that because, you know, we've, we've said on this show, I mean, we saw it really with the giants, not really here with the Phillies, but more so with the giants that he, he does have, did have an ability to get more, out of less right i guess we did see it with the phillies in 18 in a sense that they were competitive for four months of the season before collapsing mm -hmm. um and they that and that roster was terrible um if you go back and look at that 2018 phillies roster it was bad, it was uh, bad. um so you know and you looked at, we looked at the giants like even this this year we looked at that roster and we we're like what do they have that they're that they're in this race right they got nothing and yet they were there, but of course they collapsed, and they collapsed. And so that so the game managing thing leads to the collapse, and I think it's because of the way that the players, how the players deal with with him as a manager, especially the pitchers. But if you put in a situation where the manager still is kind of like the the go between, and the manager might not like Gabe, but at the same time it's one guy that's getting frustrated with him and not the entire team, maybe it does work. Well, stay tuned on that. Um, it's it's <laughs> funny. I, I will say, like, I feel I self-evaluation, self-scouting here towards the end of the show. Uh, I don't feel great right now. I, I have a very bad headache. I wanted to do the show today. I felt like it was important given what's at stake tonight. Yeah. I do understand if you're listening to this show today, you say, guys just didn't really have a lot of juice today. You didn't have a lot of energy. You know, this is a team that's supposed to go to the World Series tonight. And this guy comes on and he's like, Fred Kimbrell, what are they doing? can't use them anymore. You know, I feel like I haven't, I, I don't have that, that usual spunk today. I got to say, and I, I am aware of it. And I'll tell you, I promise if uh, the Phillies win tonight, I, I will bring it tomorrow. I'll make sure I didn't get my coffee yet. I've just felt like I, I, this was a workmanlike effort to record today. Well, I, just didn't, it, I didn't have the fat call, Anthony. We, we do record early in the morning, right? So it's, so uh, there is that, right? And it's a no, Monday morning. I got to do better. It's, it's on a me. Monday morning. You're, you're coming off of a bachelor party weekend, yet another okay. one, right? It's like, you got to give yourself, give yourself some grace, man. Yeah. Like, you know, understand, yeah. understand where, like, where you're at life wise and just say, you know what? 
I'll I'll get you. I got time to get you stuff. I got another, you know, nine ten hours before I have to really you know get fired up for for baseball. So let's <laughs> let's yeah let it let it be a progression, slow progression. Well, I promise you, one way or another, tomorrow morning it's going to be uh, there's going to be some energy on that show because it's going to either be look at this team they did it again, wow, or oh boy, here we go. Yep. Uh, yeah, see. there's there's only there's only there's, two two directions tomorrow. It's, there's no both middle extremes. ground. Yep. <laughs> you better if you want nuance and two things can be true, you better bring that tomorrow because you know I don't think I have that one in me. That's good. That's fine. I'll I'll be the voice of reason. All right. Well, for Anthony Sanfilippo, I'm Bob Wankel. Thank you for listening to Cross Up. You can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony Follow me at Bob underscore Wankel. Make sure that you're checking us both out on Crossing Broad. You can listen to Anthony on Snow the Goalie. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere that you get your shows. You can also subscribe to redoctoberphilly.com. Daily newsletter Monday through Friday comes between roughly 9 and 10.30 every day. I appreciate if you do that. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow.